You're listening to episode number seven of Strike the Match. In this episode, I talk about the reality of complexity when it comes to church, disciple-making, ministry, the multiplication of leaders and churches, and the power of ordinary people filled with the extraordinary spirit. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist Dr. J.B. Payne. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.B. Wow, we are at episode number seven with Strike the Match. Uh, It was eight weeks ago uh, that I launched uh, this podcast uh, with uh, episode zero. And guys, I want to say uh, it has been very surprising to me uh, in, a, in a very encouraging way uh, at the number of, of you, uh, not only in the United States, uh, but across the world that are listening to this podcast, uh, that, um, that are downloading this and also sharing this uh, with other people in your, your circles of influence. And so I just want to say at the beginning of the seventh, um, seventh episode here that uh, I really, really appreciate that. And, um, you know, if indeed uh, this uh, resource is of value to you, it's helpful to you, um, then uh, please continue to listen, continue to, to share it with others. Um, I consider it a great honor. I consider it a great honor uh, when you, when you uh, check this out and invite me into your journey uh, through this, uh, this electronic medium. And, uh, and it's even a greater honor when, uh, when you see that, uh, that this resource is of such value that uh, you believe it's worth passing on to other people uh, in your social networks. And so, so I do just want to say to you guys, thank you so much for, for the past uh, uh, seven episodes. And uh, Lord willing, I am looking forward to uh, future episodes as well. I we have uh, quite a few exciting guests lined up uh, coming up on uh, future Friday episodes, at least at this point in time. I'm doing these every Friday. It kind of seems to to fit my routine right now and seems to be working well with many of you as well. Um, and so got several folks uh, already um, uh, interviewed and several topics that I'll be discussing with them in days to come. So just stay tuned. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy uh, where we're going for the next several weeks. And then uh, as I shared back in episode zero, uh, like I'll be doing today and like I did a few weeks ago when I did the podcast on apostolic missiology, uh, sometimes it'll just be me in the microphone. And so I have several of those um, uh, scheduled already uh, for for many months out from now. So uh, that just kind of gives you an idea that uh, um, several things are coming down the line. So so, so stay tuned. And, and also, I just want to ask for your prayers. Uh, you know, I uh, certainly appreciate your prayers for my life and my family and, and the ministry that God's called me to and, uh, and also to this, uh, uh, this resource as well. And so just appreciate your prayers uh, for, uh, for, for God's grace in my life and, and uh, that I'd be faithful to Him and would be wise uh, in the, uh, uh, the journey that He's called me to. So with that in mind, let's talk today about the reality of complexity and and the power of the ordinary. Um, let me say from the outset that um, you know we we are in the West in general, uh, but in the United States in in particular, um, we uh, have made things related to 
what it means to be a follower of Jesus, uh, what it means to be the church, uh, what it means to 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 lead uh, the local expression of the body of Christ, um, what it means to be involved in church planning. We have made those things to be incredibly complex, uh, incredibly complex things, and and I I know that that's not exclusive to the West or to the United States in particular, um, but uh, but it's clearly, clearly, um, clearly a part of, of our cultural expressions of church uh, in, in the context in which we find ourselves in the 21st century, especially among uh, we evangelicals. And, and so with that in mind, um, you know, I want you to also understand that uh, as I talk about this topic today, that uh, I recognize that I'm a part of that. Um, I have been involved in local church ministry for for 20 years uh, this year. Uh, I have spent 10 years uh, full time as um, as a professor in a seminary. Uh, I continue to serve as an adjunct professor. I continue to to teach. And um, nine years, uh, nine of those ten years that I was with uh, with the seminary, I was also serving with uh, with a mission agency, and and right now uh, I am one of the pastors uh, of a mega church uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, the Church of Brook Hills, and so so I say all of that at the outset to 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 help you to understand that the things that I'm talking about in this episode of Strike the Match. Um, are not things that I have arrived at. They're not things that I have um, have got a firm grasp on, uh, but that I am a part of uh, this complex cultural culture, if you will, this complex understanding of of Christianity within uh, the United States. and And so I want you to keep that in mind as as i as I speak today. And I recognize, I also recognize that many of you, probably most of you, I'd, I'd even go as far as saying the the overwhelming majority of you that are listening would find yourselves uh, probably in that same context of a very complex, uh, environment of what it means to to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be uh, the church, what it means to be involved in church planning, what it means to be uh, involved in disciple making, and so so I want you to know that 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 you know I am I am I am resonating with you out there. In other words, I am not one who is saying that I'm standing aside and standing apart from. Uh, from from you uh, and uh, and so many others and and pointing fingers. I'm not doing that at all. I'm just saying that I'm I'm, I'm a part of the system. I'm part of that cultural context uh, alongside of you. And even though that is the case, we have to recognize that we may be a part of that environment, but it is not wise as kingdom stewards, as kingdom citizens who are called to live according to a kingdom ethic, it's not wise for us to to just sit back and do nothing. It's not wise for us to to just refrain from from questioning the things that need to be questioned in light of uh, biblical uh, prescriptions and biblical parameters, and it's not wise uh, for us to to just ignore things. Uh, but where things need to be changed, uh, that would continue to uh, advance the gospel and would would help facilitate the sanctification of 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 the, of the church. 
uh, and 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 to to move forward in reaching the four billion who have not heard of Christ, uh, for us to sit back and not question the things that may be hindering that journey um, would not be wise. And at the same time, it, it would not be wise for us to to once we question those things, if we see uh, those those barriers, those things that may need to be adjusted, may need to be shifted, may need to be changed, uh, for us to do nothing. I mean, that would that would be foolish as well. On the other hand, um, I don't think it's wise either uh, for us to say, well, we see all these problems and challenges to disciple-making and the multiplication of disciples and leaders in churches, and, and so therefore we just need to take a wrecking ball uh, to all the complexity and all the things that are out there within our Christian subculture, and we just need to tear it all down. Well, well, that's not wise either. That's 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 foolish, and in many cases we, we, that would indeed hinder the sanctification uh, of the church. So, so we find ourselves in a situation that needs to shift, that needs to change, and at the same time, we find ourselves a part of that context, a part of that situation, and shouldn't fear asking questions and shouldn't fear moving forward. So with that in mind, today I want to share with you guys, talk with you guys about uh, the, the, the issue of complexity uh, and uh, the power of the ordinary. And so I want to begin there. I want to talk about when the ordinary does the extraordinary. So I'll begin there. What's the power of the ordinary and when the ordinary does the extraordinary? You see, we want to start with the extraordinary. We want the Iron Man. We want the Incredible Hulk. Uh, we, we say things like, uh, we want the high caliber, high capacity type of individual to lead this ministry or that ministry. For, for, apart, from, for apart from these, we can do nothing. We want Superman. Uh, we do not want the greatest American hero. So give a shout out to those of you that remember the 1980s and those sitcoms. In other words, we want to use the extraordinary uh, the extraordinary to reach the world. We say things like, if not verbally, internally, uh, things like, if only our church had some outstanding leaders, then we would be better poised to reach the four billion. Unfortunately, global disciple-making will have to just wait until we can find just one extraordinary person, one extraordinary leader. We want the extraordinary because we think that they are the way to accomplish the extraordinary. We want the extraordinary because we think that the extraordinary is the way to accomplish the extraordinary. Uh, we say things like kingdom work is a daunting task. Um, please send us some strong leaders to enable our church to be about such kingdom work. We want strong leaders. Send us those leaders from outside of our local church. We don't have what it takes to make disciples of all nations. We have to go elsewhere. But what if the way to reach the nations is not through the extraordinary at all, or how we're defining the extraordinary. What if in our Father's kingdom economy, the primary way to accomplish the extraordinary, reaching four billion people, making disciples of all nations, what if the primary way to accomplish the extraordinary is actually through the ordinary? So we see in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... Now, this is Peter and John. This, these are the two of the twelve, two of the first apostles. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they being the religious leaders, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. The twelve apostles 
the leaders of the Jerusalem church, the, 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 the men that Jesus called to himself, they were ordinary men. They were common. They were uneducated. They were men with whom the Spirit of God had filled, and that was what made all of the difference. Did you catch that? The ordinary doing the extraordinary because there was an extraordinary spirit dwelling within them. Yes, our Father uses the extraordinary to accomplish the extraordinary, uh, but not in the way that we have come to believe. Uh, For the extraordinary is found in Jesus and not his followers' intellect, their leadership capacity, experience, degrees, or even their charisma. What about your church? Uh, Do you have any members who are common, ordinary people? Maybe you. How about you? Are you a common person? If so, then you and your church are in good position for the Lord to do extraordinary things through you. But some people may ask, but ordinary people can't engage in extraordinary kingdom work. And I would say, really? What is your definition of extraordinary? And some people may say, well, with, with all that... Uh, with all that I have going on, with all the that the members of my church have going on with work and with family, they, they can't organize and administrate and lead and preach and conduct ministries uh, like maybe my pastor does, or maybe you're a pastor and you're saying, I look at these people in my congregation, and there's no way that with all that they have going on in their lives right now, that they can do ministry like me, that, that, that there's no way that they can strive up to, to this level unless they come out of that world, unless they come out of that context. And I would say then maybe, maybe we need to revise our understanding of what's necessary for, for a healthy local church to exist and be involved in our commission. The way to accomplish the extraordinary is through the ordinary. The ordinary confounded the religious leaders. The ordinary was accused of turning the world upside down in the first century in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. It was the ordinary that was responsible for the word of the Lord going forth everywhere in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. And it was through the service of the ordinary that you and I eventually came to faith in the extraordinary. Stop looking for the extraordinary among people. Look for the ordinary who are filled with the extraordinary if you want to accomplish the extraordinary. Do you guys remember back in, oh, I'm going to guess, Oh, let's just let's just go back to to the late '90s. And I know for some of you that that may you may not remember that very well because of your age, but that's okay. But uh, do you remember back in the late '90s? Let's go back even to no, let's go back farther than that. Let's go back to 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 the early '90s. All right, so the early '90s. Do you remember seeing in many places that little symbol, that little sign that's above the number two key on your keyboards. Remember that, that, you know, that little sign, and some of you are probably sitting at your computer right now. Um, we call that today the at symbol, that little thing that looks like an A that's in a circle. Well, if you go back in time, only a short period of time ago, uh, that little symbol was, was just an odd little symbol on a keyboard, and now it's everywhere. I mean, today, imagine life without the ubiquitous at symbol. It is not hard to do if you can think back to, indeed, the late 80s and the early 90s. Twitter was non-existent. 
email was scarce. Sure, for the accountants of the world who were used to that symbol, uh, it had much value to them. Uh, It meant at the rate of, so at the rate of $10, for example. But to the rest of the world, it was just a funny-looking lowercase a. No significance, no name, no credibility. Wasted space on the keyboard since the late 19th century. But now... The at symbol haunts our everyday lives. It, even beyond email and Twitter, the, the at symbol has become accepted shorthand. So, you know, we'll, we'll write something out and we'll say, meet me at, with the at symbol, meet me at the coffee shop. Let's try a day. Let's try a day without the shift and two key, the shift plus two keys on our computer. If we did, the world would come to a halt. If we got rid of the at symbol today, the world would stop. As we labor to raise up leaders, I can't help but wonder if we often treat some people like they are the pre-1990s at symbol, not realizing their future kingdom potential. We look at people and we don't see the extraordinary God that's in them. We, we look at that guy and we say he will never be able to lead others well. Uh, there's no way she has what it takes. Uh, what a waste of my time with this person. I've had the great honor of training many church leaders over the years. I must confess at times I have indeed looked at people and thought, no way, only later to see them prove to be very effective on the mission field or in established churches. And I had to go to the Lord and confess my shortcomings uh, and ask that the Lord would give me grace not not to do that again. Yes, we must use wisdom and discernment, responsibility, the community, and the testing of others as potential leaders. The scriptures are clear that we should not be hasty when it comes to putting certain leaders in place, but we cannot determine leaders by looking on the outward manifestations. When we are quick to judge by the externals, we fail to be guided by the Spirit of Christ. Aren't you glad that Samuel killed his flesh in this area and was led by the Spirit to find the leader from whom the Messiah would come? 1 Samuel chapter 16, for example, verse 7. Let's trust our Father in the process of leadership development and follow His Spirit. He will make matters clear regarding the roles of such saints in His kingdom. If we are quick to see odd and insignificant keys, then we will miss wonderful opportunities to equip and send a multitude of at-symbols into all the world to make disciples of all nations. So let's be cautious when we begin to see people, and let's recognize that among those that we would think would just be insignificant people, insignificant players, that that maybe, that maybe just possibly as they are dying to self and being filled with the Spirit, that that the Lord is going to use them in a very powerful way in, in your community, in my community, and wherever the Lord calls us to go. The next thing I want us to kind of think about today, tying in with this issue of complexity and the ordinary, is this, and it is the fact that we serve a complex king, but his ways are simple. He is complex, but his, his ways, the, his economy, if you will, is simple. Others have said this statement 
and there's some truth in it. And here it is. In Jerusalem, missions was about movement. In America, missions is about business and enterprise. I want to make a slight adjustment to that statement, and it is this. In Jerusalem, missions was about simplicity, to know nothing but Christ, to preach Christ crucified. In America, missions is about complexity, and complexity often hinders church health and multiplication. The complexity of the kingdom is found in the king and not in his commands. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14, But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Complexity is found in the one who spoke and the universe was created. Complexity is found in the mystery of the incarnation. Complexity is found in the substitutionary atoning sacrifice for our sins on the cross. Complexity is found in the resurrection from the dead. Complexity is found in our conversations. Excuse me, our conversions, that is. Complexity is found in both Jew and Gentile being baptized by the Holy Spirit. Complexity is found in the new heaven and the new earth. Complexity is not... Let me repeat that. Complexity is not found in the apostolic work of the church to do evangelism that results in new churches comprised of new kingdom citizens. Whenever the gospel arrives in a new context, it generally comes with simple preaching and demonstration of the Spirit's power, like what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. But over time, over time, churches that were once very simple in their expressions become very complex in their organizations. And while this complexity is not necessarily a bad thing, it can cause generations who are born and born again, it can lead them into such complexity, those that are born into uh, such complexity, to think that such complexity is necessary for healthy church life and ministry, and to believe that such Complexity is necessary for the multiplication of disciples and leaders and churches. In other words, it has to be seen as complex and experienced as complex for it to be healthy, for it to be right, for it to be biblical. And I would say such is not necessarily the case. Church planning in many areas of the world's post-Christianized context will require churches to return to an apostolic simplicity. I spoke about this a few weeks ago on a previous podcast on apostolic missiology. Part of our present challenge is that the church exists in a state of complexity, especially in the United States, particularly in the Western world. Most of our churches can do little without countless hours of meetings and discussions. Uh, Whenever we decide to do something related to kingdom advancement, uh, we have to put up uh, t-shirts for everyone to wear before we can do it. In other words, we are always thinking about complexity. We believe that we can do little without large sums of money. Uh, You have to have all of J.D. Payne's books do anything. Surely not. Uh, Years of extensive training before we can do anything significant. And leaders who, if not connected to the church, would easily be able to create Fortune 500 companies or become the next prime ministers of small countries have to be in place before we can accomplish anything significant for the kingdom. That means that we find ourselves in a state of complexity. In this present state of the world, 
is that there are over 4 billion people on the planet who have had no relationship with Jesus Christ, and over 2 billion of those who have never heard the name of Jesus. If our Lord's last words to the church were to make disciples of all nations, should not the church be willing to make radical adjustments to matters that stand in the way of getting the gospel to these peoples and the planting of churches among them so that they may obey all that Jesus commanded? In light of his simple command, we should be asking ourselves, how complex are we making the multiplication of disciples, the planting of churches, as the the fields remain white for harvest? Sure, we may be laboring very hard at such activity, but are we laboring wisely? Missional stewardship drives us to ask such questions. We are just scratching the surface of what needs to be done in the West, and we have been scratching for a long, long time. We have defined missions as something too complex for too long. What needs to be done is something simple, biblically simple. Call me idealistic, but our complex king has some very simple ways. Remember, he talked about mustard seeds. That's pretty simple. So in light of all this, what are we communicating? What are we teaching? What are we modeling before people that are around us, within our church? In other words, can they really hear what they need to hear about what they need to be doing when it comes to following Christ and living on mission for Him in light of all the complexity that we have before them, that we model before them? I received a a bittersweet compliment the other day. A person was talking to me, and they said, I've been involved in church planting and have always thought that it had to be complex and complicated. But when I read your book, Discovering Church Planting, I realized that it can be simple. Now, while I was honored and deeply appreciated uh, this encouraging word, I I was troubled that such a paradigm shift had to occur in the life of this brother, uh, that His default setting was that church planting was something complex and highly complicated. But then he came to realize that it could be something very simple. If the first century disciples approached church planting with the complexity we have in North America today, the gospel would have never left the Middle East. There is little room at the church planting table for anything simple, at least in the West. We fail to remember the complex king we serve operates through some very simple means. Now, while my encounter with this individual who shared this compliment with me uh, revolved around the topic of church planning, I can't help but wonder if we have, in many ways, made following Jesus into something that is very complex. Do the biblical parameters allow for ecclesiological complexity in the kingdom? Yes, uh, in certain situations. However, we must also recognize that the kingdom ethic requires us to be wise stewards with our Christian freedom. And in light of the four billion who have yet to call upon the name of the Lord, I often wonder if our cultural complexity hinders many unreached peoples from hearing because many Christians fail to go due to the complex definitions and due to the complex channels of getting from where they are to where they need to be. Guys, thanks so much for listening today. It's been great. Appreciate uh, your time, and I hope that this has been helpful to you. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpayne.org. 
You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, and we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.